Fill your cup and get ahead with WKGN. One, three, four, oh. Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios in Knoxville, it's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Here are your hosts, John Reed and Bob Baskerville. Back in the booth, back on the airwaves, coming at you live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. It's the morning show. Happy Monday to you, John Reed, Bob Baskerville, Sam Beard, as we kick off Super Bowl week, the big game, recap a gigantic Tennessee basketball win, recap what you might have missed from the weekend. Bob, how are you this morning? I am good. I'm good. Kind of recharged. Had a good weekend, wasn't like overbooked on things to do, so it was nice. So uh, I'm good. How about you? I didn't do anything at all this weekend. Yeah, it felt good, right? Yeah, I didn't do anything at all. Just laid around. So I do feel kind of refreshed. I don't know if I feel caught up on sleep or not, but I did not do anything to exert any energy. So feeling good. Sam, what about you? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty solid myself. Um, I didn't do a... A whole lot this weekend either. Watched around, sat a lot, and watched a lot of college basketball. Same. Got a little, played a little golf yesterday. Actually, got out and enjoyed the the nice weather. So felt good about that. Swung the sticks for the first time in a while, and then uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like I had a pretty solid weekend, relaxing and, and good weather. I too watched a lot of college basketball this weekend. Starting on Saturday morning. With our St. Johnny's. <laughs> and, and then I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm, I'm locked in the college basketball this weekend. I was like, okay, Kansas, Houston. Blowout. Then I skipped Duke. I skipped Duke, North Carolina, just kind of at a protest. Watched us kick some ass. And then on Sunday, I was like, okay, let's root for Wisconsin. And then the nightcap, I was like, you know what? Kim English, Vol, let's watch some of this Providence-Villanova game. Let's see what, you know, maybe the coach in waiting, maybe the the heir apparent. Let's see what he looks like. And, buddy, let me tell you, after 10 minutes, I never want to see Kim English coach my basketball team. Whether or not that's fair to him, watching that watching that Providence team play offense, I was like, nope, no thanks. That's every, every bad offensive performance Tennessee has had. Under Rick Barnes, multiplied by ten. I was like, I don't want to go back to those days. So then I ended the, I ended my Sunday like, nope, don't like college basketball anymore. <laughs> it's completely soured me until this weekend. Maybe I'll get back in time by the time to watch Tennessee play Texas A&M. But it was a jam-packed college basketball weekend. Bob, did you have any big takeaways from it, non-Tennessee related, as you just kind of sit there watching <laughs> college hoops? Well, yeah, I, I, I bought into the St. John's hype, and uh, my big takeaway, yeah, I, I even hedged. I even did a live bet a little later to try to cover my. We don't call that hedging, Bob. We call that chasing. Yeah, cover my imminent losses, and even that didn't work. So that's when I was like, okay, I'm packing it up. But uh, we have to have an intervention with with Brother Eli. <laughs> That's uh, two straight losses I, he's given me. I'm telling you, there's, I don't know if he'd buy it, but maybe there's, like soccer, we could do a relegation. He could go to a different show. <laughs> maybe that 10 o'clock show that needs some betting help. I don't know what they looked like this weekend in betting. <laughs> Although I will say, on Saturday, I did just keep thinking, man, I can't wait for the G.I. Jake show on Monday morning. Yes. <laughs> Because Brad's going to be strutting that ass. Josiah Jordan yes. James' biggest fan. I know I said Bob was one of, but but Brett might be his biggest fan. Yes, uh, for sure. He's he's going to be able to do the I told you so thing. It's going to be – could be insufferable. But back to Saturday, the the biggest takeaway for me um, – well, there's a lot to take away from Tennessee, of course, but 
Connecticut. I think Eli called them fraudulent. They are not fraudulent, man. They are very, very good. And I mean, they lost. They, I mean, they they, they didn't have one of their leading scorers in Alex Caravan too. That Stefan Castle kid, Jesus, he'll be gone quick. True freshman. I, I came away after that game thinking, man, they absolutely have a look. They could win it again without question. Yeah, coming out of the weekend, Purdue and Connecticut looked really impressive when I'm thinking non-Tennessee teams. Purdue and Connecticut both went on the road in potential trap situations and came out victorious. Both kind of in close games until like the 10-minute mark of the second half, then just decided to pull away and and, and end things. Wisconsin made another little run to get close to Purdue, but just could never get over the hump. And Connecticut, yeah, just kind of dominated St. John's. But I don't think anybody looked that much more impressive than your Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee, I thought, went to Rupp Arena and looked really, really good. Last week I said it was kind of the perfect get-right game, kind of the perfect bounce-back game in terms of Get the bad taste out of your mouth against South Carolina. You get a chance at a top 10 rival. You get a chance to play against a defense that doesn't really want to defend. And now look, as bad as you felt Wednesday about your offense and some of the players on the team, you should come into the you know this week feeling the exact opposite. Tennessee hung 100 in Rupp Arena. Left the Wildcats completely despondent. You scored at will. You were the more physical team. You punked them out. You sent Coach Cal home after the game. He couldn't even stick around to do his post-game uh, coaches show and press conference and all that. Just like, ah, I'm out. Or I guess he couldn't do his coaches show. He did his press conference. He couldn't do no, his. Vice versa. Oh, it was vice versa? Okay. Yeah. Okay. He, he had to leave. Kentucky fans said he had to go take care of a sick dog. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the excuses <laughs> I saw. Saying he had to get out of there. You completely punked Kentucky and made them question everything about their program. It was nice. Um, that's it, It's rare for us to say this, but that is what it must feel like to have a team hitting on all cylinders. We had it for one night. Hopefully we can continue to see that happen. Um, I think it was one of the most memorable wins in recent memory, for sure. I, I think that, uh, you know, the rivalry, you know, you and John, you and I had talked about, I don't know, before the Alabama game, has Alabama become more the rival? And that while it was satisfying to knock them on their butts, this was, yeah, Kentucky still feels really, really good, man. It, it does. Yeah, Kentucky, there's a couple things there. You know, winning on the road as a fan base, that, that takes you to a different level. Like, I love the big home wins because you get to celebrate with all your friends, you know, in the stadium or in the arena, depending on sports and, you know, embracing and doing all those things. That's fun to be at the big home games that you win. But as a fan base, to go in on the road and take your rival's soul, <laughs> that that's a different feeling. And, yeah, watching Kentucky fans melt down. Like, I, I don't know – if there is a more satisfying feeling, because I don't know if there is a fan base that thinks more highly of themselves than Kentucky basketball. And that that's counting SEC football as well. Like Alabama has that arrogance. Alabama's kind of earned it. Georgia has that arrogance now. Georgia's kind of earned it. Kentucky still has that arrogance. And like, you know, it's been nine years since the final four or eight, eight seasons since 2015. And looking like this year is going to extend that streak, but they still carry themselves as if they are the clear-cut number one program in all of college basketball, much less the SEC. And I don't think either one of those things are true anymore. But they still have the arrogance as if they are. Oh, were you on um, any of the Kentucky social media, like KSR or whatever, during the game? Because at halftime, it, it was unbelievable. And, you know, I, I get it. You have a fan base. Any good fan base, they're going to be in denial for a little bit. They're like we're winning this game to play as bad as we did in the first half and only be down four. This is over. You know, that was the whole tone. And it's like, good Lord, I, you didn't see the same game I did. 
I mean, they made runs. They made a lot of runs, and that was mostly compliments of Rob Dillingham, but I uh, I didn't see it the way they did, obviously. No, but I can't lie and say that as a Tennessee supporter, when you got to half, only up four, it did feel like a missed opportunity considering the way you started the game. I, I will say that if I was in Kentucky's shoes, I might have been like, okay, we're not that far off. But on the other hand, I would have probably been looking and saying, huh, Rob Dillingham just kind of played the half of his life. Tennessee, Dalton Connect hasn't done anything. You know, if those roles reverse, maybe we can't come back. But I probably would have been looking and saying, hey, Zakai's not going to keep it up. We're okay. But not only did Zakai keep it up, Josiah the Messiah was was in the building on on Saturday. And, you know, he kind of brought Tennessee home with a great second half. But, no, I didn't keep up with their social media too much. I mean, the message board screenshots have been pretty good. I've enjoyed seeing those. All of them want to fire Cal. That's been pretty soothing. The Kentucky Sports Radio guys have been pretty critical and just kind of like, ah, you know, this is bad by him, bad by Cal. That's been kind of fun. They haven't had the meltdowns that I thought. I know a lot of my friends were locked into, like, their postgame show on Saturday night to hear their tears and came off a little disappointed at their – or lack of tears. What about you, Sam? How did you soak in the victory on Saturday night? Um, I was watching the game with Charlie. Uh, he had a, you know, we had a good time. Watched it with a couple buddies, and you know, watched a great little beat down there. You know, I think to me, one of the big takeaways I think of the game was that, you know, you're kind of talking about that, Bob, where it's like Kentucky played a bad half and felt like they are only walking down there, you know, down four. To me, it felt like. The story of the game all night long for Tennessee was just timely buckets. I think kind of whenever Kentucky went on a run, I think Tennessee did a great job of responding and stopping the bleeding and stopping that run and kind of just putting a halt to whatever momentum that Kentucky would gain in a little bit. Yeah, the timely buckets being a big takeaway, that's that's a good observation by you, Sam, because I went back and rewatched the game on Sunday and just seemed like there were a couple times where Kentucky made a push and it was Josiah mm-hmm. with timely buckets, whether it be – to start the run in the second half that got you up double figures and kind of put the game away, or if it's his kind of on-the-block double clutch, bank, I, don't even know, I can't remember if he banked it or not, but the double clutch shot down on the in the post after Kentucky had made a 7-0 run to you know have their last gasp, he kind of shut the door on them. We'll talk about the game after the break. It is the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Lock in with us. Good morning. A little bit of fog out here in certain parts of East Tennessee this morning as it continues to build down 75 out of Campbell County, Anderson County, all the way down to Merchants Road. Still looks good over here right now on 640, right when you come off Broadway and that road work. Just be careful out there throughout the day. They're still over there being sneaky and running a little bit of radar. Pioneer is hiring HVAC techs, paying a $3,000 bonus. Call Pioneer Heating and Air today at 351-1125. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. It's time to remix the classics. Introducing new White Claw Refresher Lemonade Hard Seltzer. It's lemonade reinvented. Bob, I'd like an apology for you well actually me and being incorrect. To start off on Monday, Cal did skip the the post game radio show. Yes, it looks like that's that's the deal. We had the uh, uh, the RTI guys were up in Lexington covering the game, and we had seen some quotes from Calipari on uh, RockyTopInsider.com. So I asked the question, where did those come from? If he skipped the presser, and uh, Shumpert clarified it wasn't the presser it was actually the radio show that he uh you know similar to what they do with uh coach barnes here where he's out on the court afterwards and talks to uh usually the the play-by-play announcer so uh that's the clarified point there so he skipped part of it not all of it but it's still got people talking up there a faint where is cal was heard over the radio according to one of the ksr guys really fans Stayed there chanting, heckling him for not showing up. On the court, it was, 
the best I can describe it, just a full team performance, complete. It wasn't the Dalton Connect show. I thought he was fine. But it was everyone else that looked locked in and did a lot of good things for the team. I thought everyone that played, played well. It was... Did you have a moment where you were watching and thought, is this really happening? I mean, think the first, I mean, the first minute of the game, three pointers from Josiah and Zakai, like right off the bat. And, and then you looked at the, I don't know what the numbers were at this point. I don't have them in front of me, but at halftime, I kept calling them the OGs and I kind of included Zakai in there. You know, it really meant Santi and Triple J, but Zakai had such a rough game on Tuesday night. I was grouping those three together. They had more points scored in the first half than they did collectively in that South Carolina game. And um, and then ended up with, for the game, 63 points, 10 three-pointers, 11 rebounds, 16 assists, 5 steals, shot 20 of 33 from the field, and only three turnovers between the three of them. I mean, that was so great to see. I'm so happy for both Santiago and Josiah, that that's how they leave Rupp Arena. They leave Rupp Arena with a winning record, correct? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Connect, did Connect, there was chatter on social media about it. Any thoughts? Did he look, some people thought he looked a little fatigued, a little tired. Did you feel any of that? See any of that? I didn't notice it. Uh, it was one of those situations where the rest of the team was playing so well that Connect just. He had a, you know a couple of those backdoor cuts and dunks out of bounds, and you know he looked fresh on those. I thought you know his jumper looked a little broken. I mean, it was one of five from three and five of fourteen. You know, just overall, I thought he had the one nice drive and one mm-hmm. in the first half, but outside of that, didn't really do much. I didn't think he looked fatigued as much as just didn't look didn't look locked in or didn't didn't look to be successful offensively. I kind of thought maybe after that one uh, drive attempt in the first half where he was, you know, he he was driving to the right, and then I think he went up and tried to dunk on that Onyenso kid, and he blocked him. He kind of came down weird. Like, it seemed like he almost kind of, like, jammed his knee a little bit or something like that. Like, I don't know. It it didn't really seem like it was affecting him all throughout the game, but I did kind of wonder watching the game back if that might have had a little something to do. I mean, at at the very least, it might have – Affected the confidence a little bit. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I did think around that time, you know, the eight-minute mark of the first half or so, like, you know, Kentucky was making a push, and Connect had a couple moments down the block where he, was, he wasn't getting foul calls. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't getting a foul call. Not so much on that block. I don't think that was a foul. But there was another one where he had a block, and he was he was coming up uh, trying to shoot a little six-foot jumper, and the guy kind of undercut him, and he didn't get the foul call on that, and he kind of looked at the ref and was mad. And it was clear that Kentucky – was going to try to make an example out of him and try to rough him up a bit, and the refs weren't letting them, or the refs were letting them, weren't calling fouls, and, you know, the rest of the offense was flowing so well that it kind of made him, I don't want to say obsolete, because I do think he still drew so, so much attention coming around screens and taking their best defender that opened things up, but no, I, I, didn't, I didn't particularly think, wow, this guy looks fatigued. He, uh, that, that corner jumper he hit off the inbounds play was... That was the one, boy, that looked elite, just how he extended. The shot looked great. The other thing that he did that was most satisfying for me was uh, Saturday, uh, Adu Tierro made some comments about, yeah, we know who he is. He's going to have to work you know, work his ass off. I'm paraphrasing, but it, that was the message. He's going to have to work his ass off to get that against us. And that first inbounds dunk was on Tierro, which was nice. Felt good. They were talking a little bit throughout the game too. Yeah. When I was watching, when I was watching it back, I saw the arrow and and connect. Yeah. Kind of drawing a little bit. Yeah. And uh, he went five for five from the free throw line. I won't say that any of those had to be clutch free throws. Kentucky, you know, at, at one point I think maybe if I was Coach Cal would have looked and said, "Hey, let's quit fouling because we just gave them ten free points to let them break a hundred. That makes this loss look way worse. Like we're not coming back. Let's maybe quit fouling them." Unless I'm just trying to make the free throw discrepancy look big so I can point to that and say, hey, they shot more free throws than us. At home, the ref screwed us because I was like, they're really extending this game. You don't really see that in the regular season too often in college basketball. That's more of a 
conference tournament, NCAA tournament thing where you just foul, foul, foul for a minute and a half. But yeah, Connect went five for five from the free throw line, which was nice to see after you know some timely misses on Tuesday night against South Carolina. But the story of the game, Josiah and Zakai both with 26 points. Zakai with as good of a point guard performance as you'll see in college basketball this year, if not really just like ever. Ever, you know, is a bit, you know, hyperbolic, of course, but like there are no Tennessee performances in the regular season that I could point to that I could say has been better from a point guard's perspective. There's none in college basketball that I've seen this year, unless I'm missing somebody. Zakai, who struggled mightily on Tuesday, came out, set the tone early, and yeah, 26 points and 13 assists. That's that's about as good as you can do in college basketball. To do that in 33 minutes as well. When I was rewatching the game yesterday, there was like 12 minutes left in the game, and he only had seven assists. So like he got six. Just kind of over the next 10 minutes to close the door on Kentucky and kind of put the game away. And, you know, that was impressive. He was so locked in, he had an assist to himself for a big bucket on a blocked alley-oop. He caught it and beat the shot clock. That's how locked in he was in his passing. I thought that that was for sure in the second half as important a play as there was in the entire game. I think there was one in the first half, too, um, that I'll elaborate on in a minute and get your guys' thoughts. But Zakai... He, I mean, just absolutely. I, I felt he was the best player on the court that night. I mean, Josiah had a great game, but Zakai looked like he was on a couple occasions. Those times where there was one time he handling the ball, dribble, 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 kind of went down to the middle. Tobey was in there. That's another guy we need to talk about. Cleared out a path for him, and it just looked like it was like a layup drill. It was. It was just everything felt easy for him after what we saw on. Tuesday night. It was great to see. No, I thought that was the best game of Tobey Awaka's Tennessee career. Now, there might be some better, you know, statistically, but I thought he set the tone for that runaway in the second half. I mean, him coming in and just getting Kentucky so frustrated, you know, grabbing two offensive rebounds, I think on like three possessions. Over two people at Kentucky, like didn't have the didn't have position, wasn't boxed out. They weren't given to him. It was just, uh, I'm going to go get the ball. I'm going to be more physical. I'm going to get the ball. And then, of course, you know what happened where he had them so frustrated. He had one guy try to hit him from the back, one guy try to grip the ball for him from the front. A guy try to kiss him after the, the the scuffle, and then he followed that up with one of the best ducks. One of the most surprising dunks in, in Tennessee history as he took a pick and roll and just absolutely piped on someone. I did not see that coming. And then he followed that up with a beautiful post seal and an easy layup. He he had some screen assists for Zakai, clearing the rain, lane for free throws. And, yeah, I thought he really just kind of ended Kentucky's will. At that point, you knew the game was over. Whenever he punked them and then Tennessee gets a Dalton Connect dunk out of that, you knew, okay, Tennessee's going to win this game. I thought Toby was as good as anybody in terms of minutes production, and I thought that was maybe his best game as of all. It, yeah, I agree. It didn't start out great. I mean, he played 10 minutes. The first two minutes, he was in and out because, again, he got two fouls quick, which we've talked about. That's a, that's a problem. But, man, those final eight minutes he played were so impactful, and that's what changes the complexion of that team too because I thought Jonas – Jonas, you know, he had a double-double, and that's great. He had three blocks. That's okay. I still felt he was, again, looked a little passive on offense to me. And so if you can at least have somebody who's going to come in and spell him, and and I agree that Tobey's intensity just influenced the game. There is no question about it. It was, uh, again, like, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, hitting on all cylinders. There, there's not much to look at here where you were like – we could have done that better. Um, of course, there's a couple plays here and there, but that was that was a pretty complete performance. I thought, I thought if you go back to the first conference game against Ole Miss, that was a complete performance, just utter domination. And then Alabama, pretty complete performance. This one was the best of them all, I thought so far. Talking about Awaka's minutes on the rewatch yesterday, something jumped out to me, and I. 
I was tracking, getting by my count from the 14-minute mark, you know, kind of where he's getting those offensive rebounds and kind of setting the tone, all the way to the 8.30 mark. Tennessee scored on eight of their nine possessions. And that kind of put the game away. Eight of their nine possessions was just doing whatever they wanted, whether it be a layup line for Zakai, whether it be connect, getting the out-of-bounds dunks, Josiah hitting threes, eight of their nine possessions. Something else that jumped out was just Zakai doing what we talked about with paint touches. I thought he was very active with his dribble and keeping it alive around the rim and was kind of sucking the defense in whenever he would drive. Either he'd have a layup or he'd kind of circle around and boom, I'm going to find a shooter. And the shooters were making shots. Sam, how did you react to the the dust-up between Awaka and Bradshaw? Oh, you I saw the it. video, right? The guy definitely kissed him, Definitely right? kissed him. Definitely kissed him. What the hell was that? <laughs> uh, I loved it, honestly. I, I think that's exactly – there were some guys, you know, in the post-game press conferences that were kind of talking about that, that they've been challenging Tobey to kind of be that guy and be that enforcer and, and kind of have that role whenever he gets out on the court. And I think that they've been looking for that and – you know, I think they finally got it. I saw one video where it was, they're reviewing the play and they're all in the huddle and, like, Rick Barnes gives Tobey a high five after and, like, just saying, like, I like that, you know, like, I got your back. Like, you're playing hard for me. I want that type of thing. I think that was great. Yeah, the bench, you could clearly see the bench gassing up Tobey. You saw Ganey being his personal hype man mm-hmm. on the court clapping. And, you know, I thought Ganey had five points in the first half. He had back-to-back buckets. You're like, okay. They helped Tennessee get the lead back to double digits. And then I thought he made some big plays in the second half just with hustle. I thought he had a huge offensive rebound on a missed free throw. I thought he was just very active in his 19 minutes. You know, on Tuesday, I called it cardio. He was out there getting cardio. On on Saturday, his 19 minutes I thought were very impactful. I thought everybody's were. I thought this was one of the most well-coached games. I think you kind of look at the minutes distribution and, like, nobody played above 33 minutes. And to me, I thought it was a – a really great sign that on a night that maybe Dalton doesn't have his best stuff, like Rick Barnes was not scared to go away from Dalton at times. I think when they when they went in and subbed Cameron Carr in for those like two or three well, minutes, uh, I was like, what are you doing? Well, and then he comes in and makes some really big plays. Well, when you talked about that, you know, Tennessee was, you know, Vescovy had a really bad turnover, but he stayed with it, got the loose ball back, and then passed. I was like, wait a second. Is Cam Carr in the game? And then yeah. he throws a beautiful alley-oop. Like, one of the best passes you'll see any Tennessee player ever make to that, Josiah. That, that to me, I, I was going to refer to that. I'm glad you guys brought it up. That was such an incredibly key play for the whole game. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, Kentucky was making one of their runs. It was only a four-point game. Kind of a bad entry pass from Santee. Let's just call it what it was. There weren't many mistakes, but that was one of them. But then give Vescovy credit. He got in the mix, got the ball back, got it to Cameron Carr. And for a kid who has not been playing in that environment. That's in a, any environment, that Bobby. Just, that just shows you what kind of game he's got to be able yeah. to make that pass. Because you talk about a if you're the visiting, I mean, if you're the, the home crowd, you talk about a deflating play. I mean, to, to have... Josiah just throw it down to boot too. I mean, uh, that was that was a key play, man. Yeah, I mean, you talk about playing in that environment. I mean, like he played one minute against Florida in a twenty point blowout. <laughs> yeah. He played four minutes against Norfolk State in a thirty seven point blowout. Like he hadn't been playing at all. That's what I'm saying. Though. Yeah, that, that, the kids... oh, yeah, no, I'm just saying you said yeah. in that environment. It's, he hasn't been playing at all. He hasn't been playing in any yeah. environment. Like even in, in blowouts, boring blowouts, and uh, you know, at home, and to see him. He was not afraid of the moment. I'll give him that because that pass was beautiful. You know, if he would have Joe Milton didn't throw it five, you know, rows into the crowd, you'd be like, that's understandable. He's juiced up. Yeah. Instead, he put it around the money. Josiah showing a lot of emotion, screaming on the alley oop was cool to see. But and then Cam Carr comes down and gets a big rebound. Mm-hmm. He was like, you know, trying to block shots around the rim. And then he shot a three <laughs> from the corner off the top of the backboard and just kind of laughs it off. And I was like, this guy's probably like, this is crazy. Just three minutes. I've, I felt the ball has fouled me like five different times in three minutes. Yeah, and I, I was wondering if, if Bar, as mad as Barnes is about bad shots, you know, I don't think he could have been mad about that one because Carr gave great energy while he was in there. That was a bad shot, though. Well, it was a good shot in the sense of like, hey, you're open. Yeah, don't hesitate, take it. It's a bad shot as he almost hit the damn top of the shot clock and. Yeah. You know, led out to a transition. I don't remember if Kentucky scored off of it or not, but 
I remember just watching whenever he hit the shot. I was like, okay, time to get him out. <laughs> like, yeah. good little spurts, you know, dust him off. And he does look smooth out there. And I do hope that that's a a, a new wrinkle for Tennessee. Now, you might could say, hey, you know, he's he's beat out Dillion for those minutes. And maybe, maybe Freddie's not going to see those minutes anymore. But, like, hey, uh, this week, I believe it's Wednesday against LSU, I want to see some Cam Carr minutes. I agree. Let, let's see him out there. I want to see him see if he can crack the rotation. But yeah, beautiful alley oop. Maybe the actual like play of the game, if you could point to one play. Oh, now. I, it turned momentum for yeah. sure. There's no question in my mind. Yeah, it, I, I, the, to me, the two biggest plays in the game were that and the one you mentioned earlier, Zakai's put back because that was another one. Seven point game, I think, and Kentucky's getting a little, you know, they're getting a little jacked and, um, and Zakai. I mean, it was so great. This like. So matter of fact, how he put it back and just beat the shot clock, and it was all happening. Um, one in stripes wrote in John, and this is another, I think, a really telling point. He wrote more assists than shots taken when scoring twenty six. That's tough to beat. And that's what Zakai did. He shot eleven times, but had thirteen assists. No, he played a like Trey Young type of game, or like a Chris Paul type of game. Yeah. Maybe maybe Chris Paul is a better example because you had Trey Trey go there, get out there and get up. 17, 18 shots. That was a Chris Paul type of performance is what that was. 26 and 13. That was point God level for a guy that I've been pretty hard on, like, and, you know, said he needs to be better or, you know, called him a role player at best. He was a superstar on Saturday night. He was the best, most impactful player on the court. And it's a good observation. 13 assists on 11 shots. It helps when you get to go to the free throw line uh, 10 times. But he knocked down seven of them and, you know, hit – Big shot after big shot. And I thought his threes kind of set the tone. He was three for three early yeah. from threes. I didn't want him taking them, honestly. It yeah. was when he'd set up, I'd be like, oh, no, man. And then they were just true. Like, they were – there was nothing – no doubt about them when they went down. It was great. You point to the 13 assists along those lines. Chris Paul-esque, only two turnovers Yeah, on those 13 assists. So, uh, pretty damn good when it comes to the assist-to-turnover ratio. The other thing, too, um, I thought about, and I, I talked about this on the Sunday show yesterday, is about managing expectations moving forward because we're quick to do this, you know, and, and we even had a caller come in because I made the comment that with Josiah, we have to be re- realistic. I mean, 26 points is not going to happen every night, but it goes back to what we talked about last week. If we could get 12 points, 13 points, five boards, four assists, that's a different kind of team if he's contributing that way. Um, again, we had a caller calling. I think it was Jeeker who was saying, "No, he's a five-star. It should be that way every game." It's like that's not. It's just if it is, that'd be wonderful. I just we gotta be realistic about that. Uh, take what we had last night. Is is Zakai gonna get twenty-six every night? No. <laughs> yeah. But it's but these guys, if they can play at a level that's close to that on a regular basis this team is entirely entirely different than what we saw Tuesday night I thought Josiah's biggest the biggest compliment I could give him or the thing that I liked the most was I just you saw aggression and and you know we talked about 106 minutes 11 shots his four games prior he shot the ball 18 times he was confident in his mid-range jumper and, like, I thought there were two pretty telling plays that neither one of them worked out. You know, he had a fast break on a steal. He went straight to the rim. Reed Shepard knocked the ball away from him out of bounds. Tennessee kept uh, possession. And then in the second half, to start the half, you know, and, and Kentucky's kind of keeping it close, Josiah had a one-on-three fast break. Not a three-on-one, a one-on-three fast break. But he didn't pull it out, and he attacked the rim and tried to go in and lay it up. Now, he missed it. He airballed kind of a finger roll, and it didn't work out for him. But he he was aggressive and was trying to attack the rim. And those are things that you've been begging for. Do I want him to score 26 points a game? Yeah, sure, obviously. Are those fair expectations? No, obviously. I, I'm not even going to adjust it too much, Bob, from what I said. I just want Vescovy and Josiah to score 16 points combined. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's the number I want. Now, if Connect's going to kind of come back down to earth a little bit and is it going to give you 25 a game, maybe you have to adjust that a bit. But, like, just, just give me 16 points between your two super senior guards. On Saturday, they scored 37. Obviously, Tennessee scored 100 points in one. 
you don't have to do that every game. If Josiah can score eight points and and do the rest of what he does, to me that's just you know great enough. I don't call it perfect, but eight points, great defense, smart offense, being a coach on the court, and you know kind of keeping everybody steady. That that is the Josiah Jordan James that Tennessee needs. Anything else to me is house money. We'll open the phone lines up the back half of this hour if anybody wants to weigh in on the ass beating that happened in Lexington. 865-546-8200. That's 865-546-8200 if you want to hop on with us and talk about the game. We'll continue the conversation after the break. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Good morning. It'll be crowded at times now. Coming down 75 southbound between Callahan and Merchants Road as that traffic continues to build down from Campbell County, Anderson County. It still looks good in West Knoxville on the interstate right now. As far as accidents now, there's some volume out here on 40 east and west over the top of West Hills. Hey, turn your gold and silver coins into cash today at Fountain City Jewelers. Fountain City Jewelers in North Knoxville. Next to Littons, they are your Valentine's Day headquarters. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Hey guys, it's Logan Quentin from the 920 Podcast and Fan Run Varsity Spotlight. Yes, it's the Cookie Man, and I'm here to tell you about some. Jordan Moore writes in and points out a big Mayshack play I had in my notes as well on the rewatch. Mayshack, you know, he was maybe the one that actually kind of closed the door. It was a seven-point game with three minutes and 20 seconds left. Jonas misses around the rim. That's right. Meshack comes in with a big offensive rebound and a putback. Meshack only had four points, but they were impactful. The Do you have a little hook in the lane, I think, to put it up 11? I believe he kind of hit that, a little aggressive little, little hook shot. It's about you know, eight feet away. And then, yeah, the... The sky in offensive rebound putback, I thought was really good and you know made it a nine point game. I thought everyone who played played well. You know I don't remember anything from JP Estrella. I, I don't, good or bad. So I, mean, I guess he gets lumped in saying he played well too, but I didn't see him do anything. But everybody else, the other eight guys, I thought were pretty impactful. You touched on Ganey uh, in the last segment. And he did. He hit those two shots right up front. He shot eight times. That was a lot of shots. But, but, you that rebound he had, like you said, that was like a grown man rebound. I mean, that is as aggressive as I've ever seen him, actually, the way he, like, snagged the ball. And you, uh, I forget, one of his teammates, it might have been Josiah, went right to him when the ball was dead then and, like, came up to him kind of, you could tell, like, yeah, you know, that's what I'm talking about. You know, it was – they were all supporting each other. I love Zakai's reaction during the dust up with uh, Waka and Bradshaw. When Zakai loves to just stir it, you know what <laughs> I mean. He's walking around clapping right in front of all the Kentucky players, and uh, man, it felt good. Felt good. I was a little worried at that moment. Like, okay, if if Kentucky does have a run, here it comes. Like, because the crowd is going to get galvanized by a dust up, right? They're going to try to will their boys to victory. They're going to try to like. Will them to make some type of comeback, and then don't connect with a beautiful dunk, just to play that Kentucky cannot guard. You know they kept talking about how Georgia killed them with that, and how Kentucky still hasn't figured out how to guard inbound plays. And Tennessee hit them twice. You know in like a basically three or four possessions, Connect got two dunks on those inbound plays, and at that moment you knew okay this team is actually just going to lie down. Kyle, I, I think it's Kyle Tucker, I believe is his name who covers Kentucky for the Athletic, mm-hmm. he, he he said after the game that fans, Kentucky fans came to Rupp Arena on Saturday night wanting to see a championship contender and says, well, yeah, they saw one. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was just the other team. And in his write-up said that, you know, Kentucky's defense looked like five matadors trying to go up against seven bulls. And I thought back to that. Layup lines Zakai had at times to get to the rim, and I just thought of Connect having a wide-open lane to get a couple easy dunks out of inbound plays. In moments that Kentucky should have been playing their absolute hardest, when Tennessee was trying to punk their manhood, instead of fighting back and showing their teeth, they were like a little dog that rolls over and gives you their belly. You know, it's funny, too, because 
I we talked about this last week. Um, we had some thoughts on it. I've heard it from friends of mine who are Kentucky fans up north, um, and it's questions about Calipari. I was looking at this in the first half, too, because I felt like, in some ways, he contributed <laughs> to Tennessee's success. And what I mean by that is Rob Dillingham comes in, gets 11 points in, like, felt like in a minute. I mean, he was – he was on a heater for sure. And then they get to a dead ball and he he pulls Dillingham out. Dillingham doesn't have any foul issues or anything else. And if I'm a Kentucky fan, I'm like, it would be like, what are you doing? Why is that happening? And it's it comes to that question that, that does – this is probably getting too deep, but I'm going to say it. You know that Cal's always about helping guys get to the league – bringing recruits in promise is he promising minutes is there you know he's got so many players he's I don't know I, that's probably that's probably overthinking it but the point is him pulling Dillingham out at that time he did the same thing with Justin Edwards I think in the second half when Edwards got on a run too I just if I were a Kentucky fan that's kind of inexplicable to me and it just aided a situation where they've already got liabilities on the defensive side you've got some guys who are generating offense and you're pulling them doesn't make sense to me, but was good for Tennessee. Yeah, Calipari didn't seem to be pushing any of the right buttons. Dillingham, credit to him for, you know, keeping them in the game because, you know, at, at times it looks like only he and outside of a seven-point spurt that Justin Edwards had, Edwards scored, I believe, scored all seven of those kind of in a row there right. of his own, uh, you know, his own personal 7-0 run for his team at least. I thought – it was really just Dillingham against everybody else. There was no big ZD there to protect him. Reeves was about as impactful as Connect, which on most nights you'd say it's a great thing. On Saturday night, it wasn't a great thing, especially whenever Connect wasn't that great for Tennessee on Saturday. Reeves needed to be special. He was not. The problem for Kentucky was Reeves did not have Josiah and Zakai and Vescovy. And Awaka and Adu picking him up. He just had Dillingham make some shots. That was it. I don't know where this ranks in terms of Rick Barnes's best regular season wins at Tennessee, but I can't imagine there are too many that are better. What he's done against Kentucky is astounding. Not only does he have a winning record against Calipari in Kentucky, the stat that said he has 7-1 and one against Kentucky when they're in the top 10 is mind-blowing. Not when Tennessee is in the top 10. When Kentucky is in the top 10, 7-1. and one. That's an absurd stat. That doesn't even make sense. You know, a couple of those came with Kevin Punter as your best player. He clipped Kentucky with Kevin Punter as his guy. Yeah, I, I saw that same stat. It's it clearly has Cal's number. Um, that's only this. I saw too. That's only the second time that um, in the Cal era that Kentucky's lost back-to-back -back games um, at Rupp. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that's excluding COVID or if the other year was in COVID, but like yeah. the full attendance, like they don't really struggle at home back to back games usually. And they gag that Florida game away, and everyone's like, okay, now they're going to come and they're going to lock in, and Tennessee's in trouble. They're going to get their best shot. Nope. Still didn't do anything. Still didn't play hard. Still, still had no interest in playing defense. And the way that Cal handled that after the game and the way he handled the media, to me, is just would be so frustrating. The excuses he was making and just saying, ah, you know, we still haven't had all of our scholarship players available at one time. And yeah, I understand they had their guard out and I understand that. Like I'd be making excuses too, if I was a Kentucky fan, but you don't want to hear from your head coach. It's one thing if the fans online want to be like, Hey, yeah, we'll get you in Knoxville. We'll be healthy, blah, blah, blah. And like, they're trying to talk trash and trying to cope. I don't want cope from my head coach. What I'd want if I'm Calipari or if I'm a fan of Kentucky, what I'd want from Calipari is for him to come out and say that was inexcusable, unacceptable, 
to say, like, yeah, we got to get better at defense. And until these guys decide they're going to take it personally and play defense as a team and take pride in it, then we're never going to get to where we want to get to. Like, that's what Rick Barnes would say. Imagine what Rick Barnes would say if a team came in and dropped 100 <laughs> points on his head. Like, he'd be throwing everybody under the bus. Calipari was like, give me time, give me time. This team is just young, you know. we we got to figure it out. you got 10 games left in the season, you know. Like, what? At what time? <laughs> and there's all yeah, and there's also a pattern. He did it after the South Carolina game. He did it after the Tennessee game. He he's quick to say, well, they were hitting every shot. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, the, but that's your job. How do you get past that? Again, to your point, do you think Barnes would say that? No. He, well, it spilled over to the players. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was Dillingham. That it might have been a different player, but one of them was like, has Zakai ever scored 26 points and had 13 assists? Like, wow, these players just come in here and go god mode. Like, has that guy ever had a game like that? And you're right, but at some point you have to look in the mirror and say, hey, if every person I meet is just a jerk and my my social interactions with them just go poorly and it's every single person I meet, maybe at some point you have to say, huh, maybe there's something I'm doing wrong. If every one of your relationships is failing for the same reasons, you have to stop and say, huh, maybe I'm the problem. If every player you go up against has a career day, you might have to stop and say, we got to play better defense. Not just, wow, they're just really lucky. It's how about you try to do something to stop those players from going off. But instead, they had the same thing, the same mentality that Coach Calipari had, Bob, where they're like, yeah, you know, these guys just come in here and they have great performances. And the players just spilled over to them like, yeah, you know, just kind of unlucky, huh, when these guys make shots and – I didn't know Zakai could make wide open layups. I didn't know he had that in him. Yeah, he, I'm just looking at our co- a quote from him. I mean, teams are playing good against us. He's, it's kind of like, so what are you going to do? You know, it's like, God, I, if I again, if I'm a Kentucky fan, that would that would drive me nuts. Anybody who is a Rick a Rick Barnes basher, be thankful we don't ever hear any of that on a loss. That South Carolina loss, but he was like, yeah, we. You know, he, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. He was like, we sucked. You know, I mean, he, there was there was no, you know, that's a good team, but we, we didn't play well, and we've got to get better. And, you know, I don't see any of that here. Well, just comparing the mentality, there was the quote after the game from Zakai, or, you know, I saw someone report that Zakai was like, we don't want to be one of those teams that pretends like things are good when they're not. And he was like, things were bad after the South Carolina game. We had to take it personally and get better. And, like, Zakai – set the tone very early. Him and Josiah, you know, hook up for the very first three-pointer of the game, and, like, you're kind of off and running since then. And both those guys, of course, combined for 52 points. And and they said, yeah, we sucked against South Carolina. We don't want to say, hey, it's just a game. Hey, we didn't make shots. It's like, hey, we have to lock back in. We have to take this personally. And then, of course, Tennessee came out and played maybe their best game, definitely offensively, in a long time. And... Compare that to the juxtaposition of what came out of that Kentucky locker room where they're just like, eh, you know, it happens. Everything's <laughs> fine. Give me time. And when John Calipari, you know, if it, if it was the mid-2010s and he had a, you know, four Final Fours in five years, you know, run, you would be saying, hey, give him the benefit of the doubt. But instead, it's a guy that lost to a 15 seed. It's a guy that missed the tournament a couple years ago. It's a guy that looks like he's on his last legs that hasn't been able to evolve, and he's still waiting for John Wall to come save him. He's still waiting on Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Davis to come save him, and those guys aren't walking through those doors. Yeah. Just, again, reading some of the quotes. We still don't have DJ Wagner. We're young. We need to get healthy. It was... Yeah, I mean Wagner's solid, but like of he's course. he in his last game he had 35 minutes and scored eight points and had three assists against Arkansas. It's not like he's just going to come out there and be prime John Wall or Derrick Rose. What? Let me ask you this because I, as soon as I was about to, I was even going to jump on the text thread and say it, but then then of course the kid hit a couple shots towards the end. We've talked about Reed Shepard. Reed Shepard's obviously a really really good player. I felt he looked at a lot of moments in that game a little overmatched, like physically and everything else. Did you guys sense any of that? Yeah, and you kind of got a, a, a tip off to that against Florida because I thought you know he was kind of responsible for the one guy going off and hitting seven threes. I thought he lost a lot of uh, his assignments there and kind of got lost on defense. There was a highlight clip or low light clip of of people kind of pointing out how bad of defense he played. So I think mm-hmm. he might have been dealing with a little bit of lack of confidence there. And yeah. and Tennessee was kind of picking on him defensively. 
I, I saw one highlight where it was Reed Shepard went like under a screen that I think Ganey hit a three on, yeah. and it was Wagner on the bench just like putting his hands up, like, yeah. What are you doing? Do not go <laughs> under the screen. Yeah. The guy had seven threes, and he was like, Yeah, we're gonna leave this guy open. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Credit to Josiah Jordan James, he played awesome. He had a quote after the game. The start of SEC play it was kind of tough for me, but for me, the biggest thing is just winning. If I'm scoring the ball, if I'm not scoring the ball, the only thing I care about is winning. So I blame those two losses on myself, just my poor performance, but my teammates and my coaches have had my back the whole way. You had you know, him kind of take the blame for the two SEC losses, and you saw him respond and kind of put – the team on his back. I mean, he only had what nine points. Do you have nine points in the first half or 11 points in the first half? Was it 15 or 17 second half points? Either way, you know, he was making big shot after big shot every time Tennessee needed something. And for the people that say that's what you're supposed to do as a fifth year senior. Yeah, it is. And he did it. And you got to give him credit whenever you crush him and you're so hard on him, you better come and you better praise him. He better be Josiah the Messiah for you today because he saved Tennessee countless times in that game. And if you're so hard on him, and of course the Tennessee basketball Twitter account, whoever runs it, you know, I think the high haters post they had with Josiah smiling, I think that was, you know, obviously acknowledgement of the the noise that's been around him a lot this year. But that's why he's important to be part of that team, too, like what you just said, that he talked about, hey, the, you know, two losses are on me. That's that's a leader, you know, and that, that, again, we talked about this weeks ago about was it better to have him come back than keeping Ledlam? And, well, after Saturday night, I'd say there's no question it is, but we talked about that intangible. It's, you know, it's not just the performance on the court. It's what how he carries himself, how he leads that team. Um it's just part of the fabric of that team. I believe him when he says, my stats are secondary in my mind to me as long as we're winning. And that's the kind of player you want. I, 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 I'm, I'm very happy for him to have a game like that. I just hope there's more of him. It's the same quote that Vescovy had at practice where he said, hey, I don't care about my stats. I just want to win. Right. Those are your two fifth-year guys both saying the same thing. I was happy to see both of them in their career at Rupp Arena, their, their last chance at Rupp Arena, playing well and, and getting a big win. The End of Hour 1 is brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Pick up some of their White Claw Premium Vodka. It was nice to see J.B. Smoove back last night on Curb Your Enthusiasm. You hear him on the White Claw Premium Vodka commercials. Please drink responsibly, and when you do drink, have your White Claw Hard Seltzer and support the people who support us responsibly, of course, unless you're celebrating 103 points on Kentucky's head. Hour one in the books. We'll kick off hour two of some things you might have missed over the weekend. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. The Supreme.